Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Amalia Bortolone Vitor and Serafina Bortolone Vitor are talented musicians, songwriters, community advocates, and twin sisters who call Guelph, Ontario home. After some time living in cities like Toronto and Montreal, the sisters each returned to Guelph some 10 years ago and, immersed in its underground DIY music, arts, and cultural communities, felt inspired to make some music of their own. Influenced by their Italian heritage, and some of the supernatural stories that inform their family history, they work together as Bonnie Trash and create a haunting amalgam of post-punk, infectious industrial music, and drone rock. On October 28, 2022, Handron Dracula released Malocchio, the debut album by Bonnie Trash, and shortly before its release, and Halloween, Emma and Sarah returned to this show to discuss the ups and downs of living in Guelph, 
As music venues emerge and others close, some ideas they have to improve the material conditions of musicians generally, why and how they own an octopad that I used to rent, the darker aspects of their music and how they may emanate from their childhoods, musical influences and horror movie scores and soundtracks, the film Jaws, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. That's the primary source of revenue for all the work I put into this show and your support there is appreciated. Again, for more info, visit patreon.com slash creative control. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, all located in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 734 of Creative Control, featuring the wonderful Emma and Sarah of Bonnie Trash, with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Bonnie Trash. Are you both there? Yes, we are. We're here. <laughs> it's nice to see you both. Uh, Sarah, how's it going? It's going super well now that I'm talking with you, Vish. Oh, well, geez, that's the sweetest way to begin a show ever. That's very <laughs> sweet of you to say that. Thank you for saying so. It's nice to talk to you, too. I'm very uh, happy about this because uh, I miss you guys. I don't see you as much, obviously, as I used to, and I'm not there anymore, so it's weird. Emma, are you there? Yeah, I am. Hello. Sarah uh, took my line, so <laughs> I could just say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the sentiment is appreciated. I know what you're saying, and uh, it's mutual. I miss you very much. Uh, I don't have, usually I will say, uh, where in the world are you to my guests, but I know, I think I know, you're in Guelph, Ontario. Is that right, Sarah? You've got it, Vish. We're in Guelph, Ontario, and we miss you as well. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say again. <laughs> There's so much sweetness here. Uh, Emma, how are things in my beloved Guelph, Ontario? I thought I would have to whisper this question because every time I say Guelph, my daughter gets very upset. She misses the city and her life so much. She's young, right? But as it happens, I believe she's out of the house, so we're okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, Emma, how are things in Guelph generally, would you say? I think Guelph is recovering. Shows are back, which is great. There's a bit of a venue situation. I'm not sure if you keep up with Guelph today. Um, <laughs> the, but... <laughs> literally, the for those listening around the world, there is a publication called Guelph Today. Uh, it's not just me checking in with the city each and every day is what Emma was getting yeah. at there. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's just hitting the same common thing that's going around in general is where are the venues? Are there enough venues to support music? It's the same conversation, right? So that's what's going on. But some really promising things are happening. And that's exciting. Right? A lot of new bands, a lot of new sort of cool events happening. So it's really, really awesome to see that in the Guelph music and arts community. Yeah. N nice. Now, yeah. uh, Sarah, Emma alluded to 
uh, keeping up with Guelph today. Um, has there been some new venue closure or something that I'm not aware of? Or is it just that uh, when I left, and uh, I don't blame myself for this, but when I left, there were not that many venues, certainly not many accessible no. venues. Uh, that was always a problem for us, uh, for people like me who tried to do events from time to time or whoever else. But sorry, uh, Sarah, are there new developments that I should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not sure if you if you know, but eBar is no longer hosting events. Uh, so that that venue sort of lost. And then there has been a new venue that's popped up uh, called Taboo. I no, believe. it's the underground. It oh, was Taboo. The, or I think it's still they're calling it Taboo. I'm a little bit uh, rusty in terms of what the name is. I think they're going back in between the underground or Taboo. So that's really promising. And I think, you know, a lot more people are, are opening their doors, businesses to host uh, musical events. I saw that the Sage uh, Soap Company, uh, local business, hosted a show, Outpost Vintage hosts shows. So it's kind of awesome to see that there are shows happening that are outside of typical bars, th- those kinds of spaces. For instance, next week for our uh, album release show in Guelph, we decided to have it at uh, 10C, which is a community space downtown Guelph. And we wanted to host uh, our show there because we could make it all ages. And it's a little bit of a small, a smaller space. And it's it's not a bar. So yeah, um, and it's physically accessible. And it's physically accessible. Exactly. Okay. So it'll be a nice sort of uh, intimate, intimate uh, show. I I don't expect either of you to necessarily speak on behalf of the bookshelf and the e-bar, but Emma, do you have any sense of why the e-bar shut down? For those who don't, for those who don't know, the e-bar was among the most prominent, uh, music and event venues. I've not talked to anyone there, so I don't know what's going on. Do you, Emma, do you know what's happening? I cannot speak for that. I'm, I am wondering whether it's an insurance thing. Oh. Because insurance policies have changed significantly for venue spaces. And so I, I don't know whether whether it's that or it's it's a larger contribution of things, like a combination, but I have a feeling it might be insurance. Yeah. Sarah, I've yeah. Uh, over the last few years, uh, I have invoked a joke, and I'm going to frame the following <laughs> as a joke. And, and I just want that to be clear okay. from the get-go. Sarah, do you feel like Guelph has fallen apart since my family and I moved? (laughs) I mean, like, let me just like, (laughs) let me tap into the heartstrings and I'll just say, yes. (laughs) It is totally a joke, but it does seem like we decided to relocate and then a pandemic happened and the world changed. And I'm not saying we're some, you know, magical beings or something, or maybe evil beings. I don't even know. But Emma, I am starting to, now that you've told me this, because I don't know if you got, you, you two would know this. People around the world that are listening may not know this, but like, I spent a lot of time putting on shows at the e-bar. A good chunk of my twenties and thirties was putting on events at that place. And we used to have really big, fun events and then it started to slow down and fewer people were coming out and it's harder to book bands and then I kind of was like I don't why am I doing this it's not fun anymore on some level so I stopped and it, that happens to all the best 
people with the best intentions when they're making art or trying to organize art, you know, so it's not unusual. Anyway, my joke is, that's my joke, is that I, it's a dumb joke. It's a selfish joke. (laughs) It's probably in poor taste given the calamities, but I just like, it seems weird uh, that we left. Things are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some connectedness there. <laughs> well, you guys, there, there's some, yeah, there's some, there's some connectedness for sure. And you know, I will say what's absolutely fantastic is there is a lot of uh, younger folks starting initiatives and organizations and planning events here in Guelph, and some new things are brewing. And it's absolutely fantastic to see uh, that um, that there are others that are sort of. Uh, carrying on these initiatives in Guelph. So um, I'm really excited to see what happens. And it's fantastic. There's more bands uh, that have come together and uh, it's it's great. So I'm going to take the positive side and I'm just excited to see what happens. But you're gone. So I don't know. But no, you're no, gone. no, no, it's fine. I'm still here. I just, I'm not there. I'm not gone, gone. Yeah. This is not meant to be a, no, no, a eulogy podcast. You're there. Yeah, no, I know. No, but it's fine. my thing is, even if I, so you just spoke to something that's very significant, Sarah. Uh, which is that uh, I only got into show business, if you will, putting on shows. That's what I used to call it, show business, uh, because there was a void. A fella, Stuart Duncan, used to put on shows very regularly in the early part of uh, this century, and he split town for work and family and all those sorts of things, and there was a void. And that's why what ended up being uh, the Kazoo uh, organization came into being, and that's why I started like, well, I got to keep this up. Stuart and people like Stuart, I mean, Guelph has a long history of this, but people like Stuart was doing it so regularly, we all got accustomed to it, that there's going to be events, there's going to be stuff to do, and people are going to come through town. And then when he left, some of us are like, oh, shit, got to keep this going somehow, so someone's got to do it. Stuart sort of showed us how to do it, and uh, and so we did it. And then when some, like, as I, I allude to uh, Kazoo, which you guys have been a part of in some various capacities and played... They're also done. So what this does is, oh, no, but like you say, Sarah, and Emma, I think you're echoing this, this means other people are going to be like, fuck that. We got to step up. It's our turn to throw down. It's our turn to put on stuff and make this city great. So, Emma, am I on the right track? Is that what's going on? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. And, I, and you know, things wax and wane. That's what always happens. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard to put on music for a long period of time and and I wish it was easier yeah. but you can tell that it, that people get tired because we we live in a space where music is valued for only a certain amount and that certain amount does not cover all the labor that goes into yeah. it so, you know, and, and, and I hate to be the person that's like, oh, labor, but no, it is. It's a lot of work and then you get tired. And then more folks show up and then that's okay, yeah, right? But yeah. yeah, it's, there's something there where m- making music happen or promoting culture is, it's a lot of work that is not, a, I, I, it's appreciated, but it's undervalued, I'd say. Absolutely. I don't know, Sarah, I also, in hearing what Emma is saying, I don't know. I think there's a big rethink going on because we keep send. if I may use a horrible military analogy, if your strategy isn't work, if you if your if your strategy isn't working, and you just keep sending more troops in, and it's still not working, why not change the strategy? So I'm starting to hear more and more like, what? Yeah, pandemic or no, this was not sustainable for musicians. This whole model sucked. 
And, you know, our, uh, a friend of mine, Ariel, who plays in the band The Burning Hell, just tweeted something recently, and it was great. It was just basically like, I have a, I have an idea for sustainable touring, backline in every venue. This way, yeah. artists won't have to burn all this gasoline, bringing all this. I mean, they'd still have to do that to get around, but just the carting of stuff and the labor, the physical labor that Emma is alluding to of lugging gear around and doing this and doing that. Imagine, I think there are venues in Europe and even parts of Western Canada that have that. You know what? Just show up. We've got a PA. We've got all the gear, you know, bring your guitars and whatever else you really like, but we, we can get you everything. Anyway, Sarah, are you getting the sense that people are trying to change this whole infrastructure right now? Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting that you brought up Backline because we just chatted with our friend, Emma, who also subs in uh, for, for bass from us. I mean, she, for us, she's basically yeah. part of the band as well. She was saying the same thing. She goes, we have to try to get some sort of shared Backline that Guelph uh, can have so that, you know, if there's an out of town band, we can bring that backline to, to the venue. That would be an absolutely, you know, fantastic thing to provide touring artists and local artists too. Um, not everybody has a vehicle or transportation to be able to bring, yeah. uh, gear to, to the venue. So very, very good point in terms of the backline. It would be fantastic. Yeah. To which I ask, you know, how many Long and McQuaid's are there in Canada? Yeah. Two, how much does it cost to pay for insurance on something at Long and McQuaid? $4. It costs $4. Absolutely. So this then is, I'm thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. So then it doesn't even need to be venue ownership of a backline because, yeah, backlines can go to shit. And then you have to focus on repairing that or, re- or replacing things. So... If somebody is able to supply a backline where you know that it's being taken care of and you do it on like a month for month basis, perhaps, perhaps that's fruitful and yeah. Long McQuaid can hire <laughs> more musicians <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be part of that. I, I, and, you know, I, I say Long McQuaid and there are a lot of independent music stores too. I say Long McQuaid because... Everybody uses Long McQuaid. Long McQuaid has established itself as the place where you can rent gear before you decide whether you want to use it. They can get you things from across Canada because they've established themselves like that. They're, they, they already have the infra- they already have the infrastructure. Yeah, we have yeah. a we have a. There's two things I want to say. First of all, for those listening outside of Canada, uh, Long and McQuaid is a national music instrument retailer, and they have this. I don't know if Guitar Center in the States or other people do this, but they have this amazing thing where if you're a band in Ontario and your tour starts in Western Canada, you can fly yourself to Western Canada, to British Columbia, rent your gear at the Long and McQuaid in British Columbia, drive it all the way across to Newfoundland, if that's your goal, drop it off in Newfoundland at the Long and McQuaid there. It's an amazing, it's like a library. You pay, obviously, yeah. but it's like this amazing borrowing thing. So I wanted to mention that, just to clarify that for people listening who don't know what Long and McQuaid is, because it doesn't sound like a music store. It sounds like a, a law firm. Uh, second of all, <laughs> does, yeah. second of all, I wanted to say we have a Long and McQuaid connection, I believe. We did, because I, yeah. for a long time, had rented a drum pad. Uh, what is it called? Uh, like a... That's- what yeah, the, that's right. The the Octopad. The Octopad. I'd rented it because I was playing in a band <laughs> at the time that needed those kinds of sounds on top of my regular drum kit. And then I gave it, I had it for a while and then I gave it back. And I think, 
Bonnie Trash bought that exact drum pad. Is that right? The Octopad? Yes. You are absolutely correct. And I still have that Octopad today. <laughs> so a little bit of Long and McQuaid uh, connections there. So that's great. Now, I appreciate all this conversation and the updates. I really do. I miss uh, I miss home. Uh, so it's nice to, even though things are, I like that you're like, things are kind of bad, but also it's couldn't be better. Like things, this is the, this is the gap (laughs) between, uh, things being (laughs) shitty and things looking up again. So that's good. My uh, point about, uh, bringing that up again is the interconnectedness, the, this, the apparent mysticism that I invoked, because I feel like this is apparent on this wonderful new record of yours. Uh, So can you, Sarah, first of all, contextualize what I'm talking about? For the listeners, uh, in an overarching sense, what is this album kind of about? Yeah, absolutely. So this album is very much a culmination of all of our Nona Maria's stories, uh, horror stories, real life supernatural um, occurrences that happened to her. Um, these are very, very uh, dear to our our hearts. So the album is about these stories. We kind of dive into what, you know, the Malocchio means, which is sort of a hex of malice onto another. It's, it's the evil eye in, in Italian. And we wanted to create an album, a conceptual record based off all of her stories. Her voice is featured, uh, in, in the album, interweaved. And it's just an absolute delight that we were able to create a, a record uh, with her voice while while she was still here. And um, it comes out on October 28th uh, on Hand Drawn Dracula. And she has, sorry, I'm sorry, I gather from what you're saying that she has passed. I'm sorry for your loss. When when was that? Thank you, Vish. It, uh, it happened back in, in May on May 6th. Uh, of of 2022. Oh, and, sorry. Um, Very yes. fresh. I'm sorry to hear this. That's horrible. That's all good. Thanks yeah. for your condolences, Vish. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Emma, Emma, like I appreciate the context that Sarah's provided, but can we dig a little bit deeper? Why did this emerge? <laughs> sorry, no, I appreciate the specificity of the context, but there's also the impulse. Like, when you... Because you guys, have, the last time you were on, I think we we, we also got into... Uh, how you're using your art to delve into family history. That's very interesting mm-hmm. in itself. This continues, but in a now horror rock way, kind of like what the hell, you know, weird stuff. Um, Emma, can you talk about the impulse to actually follow through on what Sarah was talking about? Like it's one thing to have these stories and, and in this family history, but why create a whole record around that? For one, they're good stories. <laughs> uh, just to be crass like that, they're, they're scary. They're scary stories that scared the hell out of Sarah and I as kids and even as adults. So I think the impulse was to also continue what we were doing with our EP, which was Ezzelini's Dead. And that was another another story that was told to us about this cannibalistic medieval tyrant in um, our grandparents' hometown. And he would pick peasants and eat them. That was the myth. And so we thought, well, there are so many more stories that look onto this. Let's build upon this, both as a way to see where this could go, right? How how well can we we play up these stories too and and honor what's going on? Also, how can we get a little bit darker? How mm-hmm. can we develop our sound to complement these stories being heard as grandkids, these stories that are also being transmitted through a grandparent 
who probably also embellished moments of it because that's what you do when you tell a story and that's what you do when you tell scary stories of especially yeah yeah so it's that and it's also looking at this desire i think for sarah and i too to to capture i shouldn't say capture but it is but to to, to have a moment in time of our nona's voice um yeah. yeah yeah and her speaking in a dialect that not a lot of people are going to be speaking in even 10 years. Not a lot of people speak it now. So, you know, it, it, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of holding on to this and, and making something that was us, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is, is us. Yeah. That's, this is mine and Sarah's. Yeah. 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 Something, something genuine and authentic and a way to archive and share this Northern Italian folklore and our Nona Maria's stories. And as Emma said, archive the the dialect that she speaks because it is quite literally dying out. Yeah. Now I was, uh, you, uh, I'm grateful that you sent me the lyric sheet, which includes translations of your Nona's um, uh, spiels. Uh, I assume this will be included. Will, will this be included in the record? Uh, like a, or no? <laughs> It will only be included in select vinyl. That's as much as I can share at this point in time. Um, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> but perhaps we'll we'll share in a different sort of medium, perhaps uh, through through video on social media or YouTube. So we will have we okay. will be sharing the translations uh, just at a later date. Okay. For sure. it's kind of fun to have it be a little bit vague at times because. I don't know. It, there's something fun when somebody, even if it's one person in an audience, hears and goes, I know what that is. And everybody else is going, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, well, it's another yeah. it's another example, too, if I may uh, potentially generalize or speak in cliches. Like Italian, to hear someone speaking, I don't understand what she's saying listening, but the emotional quality suggests something to me. So even yeah. though I don't know, I, I, I'm privy to the lyric sheet, so I know now. But what I'm saying is just hearing her voice, because it kicks off the record and it concludes the record. Like It's just a, an interesting way of giving it an emotional depth. It reminds me of Godspeed or some, Godspeed You Black Emperor, where it's voices. Um, some In some cases, they're speaking languages that a lot of us would understand, but they're distorted. And in some, mm-hmm. or, or they're, they're manipulated. And in, in a way, I associate hearing a foreign language in an emotive sense in the way you've contextualized it with the music and everything in the same regard. Sarah, does that resonate? Absolutely. That resonates. And yeah. what an honor to, um, for you to bring up Godspeed You Black Emperor. Definitely one of our, our absolute uh, favorite uh, bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. hear that. I want to go back to what you were talking about. Uh, Emma was talking about hearing the stories uh, as a, I think, I, actually, this is what I want to ask. Sarah, do you have any recollection as to how old you would have been when you first started hearing some of these stories? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Very young. I believe somewhere around maybe, well, I guess very young, like eight or nine. I would say four or five. Younger? Yeah. Yeah, Because Emma has a better memory than I do. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) So when we grew up, we grew up right across or up the road from our grandparents. So 
They live beside us. Yeah. yeah. So we spent the majority of our time there because there was so much more food. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, you get ice cream and pasta any and day. lasagna yeah. um, every day, you know, but it, it, it's that right. And that's your time. And so you would ask, oh, what was it like over there? What did you do when you were a little kid? And then of course yeah. they would build on to that. And then you would ask the story again at a different age and then they'd talk a bit more in depth about it. And then it just, it builds up as you get older. So. Yeah. Here's why I asked this question, and don't take this the wrong way. I'll frame what I'm about to say this way first. I've had a couple of conversations lately, and I invoked the fact that I got into the Beatles when I was like five, six years old because of my cousin. And uh, me, even at that time, was like, it was, the music wasn't enough. I had to devour all the documentaries and the books and the magazines, whatever I could get my hands on uh, and could understand at, at those ages. However... It occurred to me that very early in my life, I learned that a beetle had been shot dead. And uh, very early in my life, I, I saw the movie Jaws. And I, I fear the water to this day. And sometimes, uh, particularly during the pandemic, when the news is on, uh, we have turned and the children are around. I, my uptight parenting is like, yeah, I don't think this is we're not ready for this conversation right now about Trump or this or that, you know? So I turn it off. And where I'm coming from is I have been shaped uh, in some way by experiencing uh, scary, fear-inducing things from a young age. And that has made me uh, the anxiety-ridden 44-year-old I am now trying to navigate logic and pandemics and all these things. I'm trying to be self-aware and admit this because uh, sometimes when you're spiraling, you're like, why am I like this? Why am I having this anxiety attack? And then I'm not blaming anyone either. It's just the way it was. It's just the way of the world. You can't hide from the world. All this to say, though, you guys in your music have gone dark. You make music that's a little, as much as it's poppy in a sense, like verse, chorus, verse, catchy, infectious shit. I didn't mean to say shit in a negative way. That's the way kids talk now. No, shit yeah. is shit is cool, <laughs> yes. man. It's sick and ill and rad. Yeah, anyway, shit. yeah. So it's really great, but you've clearly gone towards what some would say like the gothier aspects of, you know, oh, like it's a, you know, you put your record on, it's a little frightening. So all I'm getting at is do you assume Sorry, I just did some armchair psychology. Sarah, would it be fair to say that hearing these horror stories 4 or 5 years old has shaped the way you are. And look at you, you two, no one can see this. You're both dressed completely in black. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm at a a, a, a a Cure concert right now. All I'm getting at is, <laughs> oh, you're wearing a Cure t-shirt. <laughs> I'm wearing a Cure t-shirt. You didn't even know I was wearing a hoodie. I unzipped oh That's hoodie. incredible. There you go. So that's what I've said. That's what I've said. Oh, anyway, sorry. Let me go back to my armchair psychology. Do you reckon... Hearing this family history at that formative age has sort of shaped you into these like, man, the world's kind of crazy and weird and all that sort of stuff. Sarah, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when I was younger and I heard these stories, they, of course, really freaked me out, but I wanted to know more. And so my sort of fascination and you know, both my both my sister and I, Emma, both of our sort of fascination with horror 
uh, came as a result of those stories. Absolutely. And then, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then sort of, you know, growing up, uh, becoming a teenager, even preteen, our, our father showed us, uh, all of these, you know, spooky stories and, and, uh, movies. So really he got us into watching, uh, scary movies and, um, the the love of horror and and darkness and uh the the scary genre really started uh, at a young age and uh, it's still going strong today well here's what here's a thing that i often drop into conversations if it's germane is that i as a kid as a teen in particular uh became a weird expert on the manson family a weird expert on the jfk assassination a weird uh sort of viewer of what used to be called like a A&E arts. The, there's a channel called A&E and they used to have like true crime documentaries on like every Sunday afternoon or something. And I would still just park do. my, yeah, they probably still do. So I park myself there and I just watch those things. What I'm saying now, as I talk to you out loud and think, I, I just would, I drop these into conversation sometimes. I'm like, wait a minute. Like the first thing I really can remember learning about one of my favorite musicians was that he was killed by a gun. Is right. this is this what's taken me on a path or what took me on a path rather to like further explore the darker and extreme elements of the human psyche? Probably like I'm just trying to analyze myself here. So anyway, I'm just getting at that. Emma, so based on what we're talking about and just to give people listening a, a little more context, can you talk about one story that makes its way onto Malocchio, like the the stories you you're reflecting from your family history, and the spookiness and all that stuff. Can you just so people have some sense of what we're talking about? Home in on sure. one one story. So I'll talk about a story that uh, Arnona told us about when we were younger, because I remember getting into the idea of exorcisms, and I remember asking my Nona, were there exorcisms at your church, or like where you were? And she goes, oh yeah, we had exorcisms. Mm. And I said, do you know anybody who was possessed? She said, yeah, my sister was possessed. And it was her sister, Gina. And when Gina was a little kid, so the story kind of goes like this. There was a church called Madonna di Caravaggio, and strange things happened at that church according to tale and their parents growing up said don't go over there and it was like this traveling church don't go up there don't go don't see what's going on they do exorcisms so naturally gina went and checked it out then gina came home and then this thing strigate yes which is strega is is which there's there's it's not necessarily that. It's closer to possibly the Romanian strigoi, which is a thing, mm. something that is embodying wrongness and could be in the form of a person. And so they get a knock on the door. And the thing is, when Strigati says, can you let me in? You're kind of in a in a bind. If you let them in, you let them in. If you say no... They'll put the malocchio on you. Mm. So she said no. So she had a malocchio on her. And she started getting possessed. And she wasn't sleeping. Hard shapes would form in her pillow. And the way to get rid of this was to take all the feathers of your pillow 
and boil them and burn them and cast them in the river and set up a bunch of garlands so that it's almost like it's your your you're almost performing a funeral for something else to say goodbye to it. Mm. And that's what they did. And the way that she told the story was that it was her, her sister, and their brother, and their brother Cesare. Mm-hmm. And quite possibly Angela, but Angela was probably a, a little kid by then. Um, and that was the story that she told us, was these siblings trying to get rid of something. Yeah. So yeah. that scared the hell out of me, because I think I was five or six, <laughs> and thought, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, and, 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 you, and you look at that fear of... Especially looking back on it as a, as a younger kid, right? That fear of, one, doing something that you weren't supposed to do. Two, it followed you. And three, how do you get rid of it before somebody else knows? Yeah. And who can you tell? Yeah. So you can take those points and turn it into something else. But that that's one of the stories. And, and it really sticks with me now. Is And I think it's because it, it hits home on that psychological element of you did something you weren't supposed to and now you have to deal with it. Okay. How do you fix that? Well, that that story, you're telling me that story scared me. So that's good. Well done on that level. I'm frightened. No Um, problem. Sarah, there's two things going on here that I want to ask you about. One, obviously, you have to believe that these things occurred because you're told they, they they occurred by your family and they offer firsthand accounts. Flip side, do you believe in what they did? Do you believe in what they said happened and did? Can you talk about those two things? I absolutely believe everything that our Nona Maria told us, whether it be a little exaggerated, possibly, but the stories that she told us I hold dear and I believe them to be true. Hmm. When she told us these stories, and we have uh, an interview that we conducted about a year and a half ago, I think. And it's her on camera, and she talked, I think, for about an hour or two. And by the end of her talking about all of these scary, spooky stories, she said, that's enough, I don't want to talk about this anymore. So when she said that, it made me kind of stop and go, okay, that's enough. And... I could tell that she's emotional with these stories as well. She wants to tell them. And I know that she was obviously delighted that we wanted to know about these stories. Of course, she told us very scary stories. And of course, she told us absolutely wonderful and positive and beautiful, beautiful stories. But we'll hold those stories for ourselves privately. But we'll allow everyone else to have a little bit of a glimpse into the really freaky and truly scary stories that she told us it's kind of difficult to exaggerate fear right like there are other you can say when you say i was really scared you know how how do you i think there are a lot of different um how do i say it this way there are a lot of different ways in which you can exaggerate certain emotions that were felt but if you're recalling past and you say that you were very scared I feel like that's an emotion that you don't really exaggerate. When you say that you were scared, you were scared. No, I mean, the fact that you're, Nona had to say that's enough. On the one hand, it's because the memories are hard. On the other, I imagine she's worried about invoking something. 
Like, of course. Oh, if I talk about this, I might conjure the same shit here again, you know, probably. Is that fair? Yeah. Absolutely. I, and yeah. it's interesting. So, sorry to interject, uh, Vish. No, it's fine. I, I was just going to say, it's interesting that you bring that up because we had this conversation of, oh my goodness, we're going to be talking about this. Are we sort of invoking something? And I actually don't think that to be true. I think the fact that we are bringing these stories to life and talking about it, it's really important and 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 powerful in order to create some sort of uh, positive change as a result of talking about these spooky, spooky stories. Yeah, fair enough. Now, you both work on the music together, uh, uh, you two in particular. I know last when I left Guelph, Bonnie Trash seemed to be more of a band, a live band. And I think it still is uh, with different members, but you have taken on this record uh, yourselves with uh, the help of a producer. Uh, Emma, first of all, can you talk about who you worked with on this record? Yeah, we worked with Josh Carodi, which was a dream. We always wanted to work with him. And uh, we were successful in getting a grant with OAC. So we had written a grant application in 2020 and received it. And so... It was really exciting because we were able to fund this project that we always wanted to do. So we reached out with Josh. Josh is awesome. Josh really knows how to make the sounds you are envisioning happen yeah. and do it in a way where it's collaborative. And then you know yourself how to produce the sounds that you want live because you can hear that and you can see that process. You go, okay, how can I, how can I make this happen? Yeah. I don't know what else I can say about no, no, him other than but... he, he rules. He was awesome. <laughs> we 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 were able to chat and just and just have a have a great time, right? It wasn't it wasn't awkward or anything. Yeah, it, yeah. it was a lot of fun. We made something really cool together and we was, love Josh. Yeah, it was just great to, <laughs> to work with him to just make this happen too. So yeah. That's that's great. So Sarah, let's talk about how you go from I ha- we have this concept that we want to convey lyrically and it's got a as you say it's got a horror oriented uh, aspect to the storytelling the narratives if you will then you got to come up with like how do we conjure a sound that makes sense for this material can you i know this is going to be a hard one to articulate because i keep having these conversations with bands and so often you're just like I don't know. We just were in the room and that's what happened and we stuck with it. We just kept doing that same thing over and over again. I, I can relate to that too as a musician. Like, I can't tell you why I came up with that part. It just happened one day and then we, that's the one. Anyway, can you talk a little bit though about the marriage of music and meaning, if you will, on this record? Cause it's very affecting. It's very effective. Um, for me, the combo, like I think the tone of the music and your vocal. And the lyrics, it's just a great marriage of things that make, that have a visceral impact on me. <laughs> like, oh God, like this is getting under my skin a little bit. And I, ugh. anyway, sorry. Can you, I'm not saying this in a negative way. I think that's kind of the point a little bit. So sorry. Can you talk a little bit about any articulation you had of what this record was going to sound like? Yeah, absolutely. I think, thank you. That That's awesome that you have that sort of uh, reaction when you listen, listen to the music. I think for us having that concept already in place, already having those stories, we have that kind of base to play with. Yeah. So thinking about how to invoke 
horror, how to scare uh, an audience, that kind of creates or helps create uh, the, the, the tone, the tone for the, the overall song. Now, it depends, like Emma might have a riff and then I might have lyrics already written and we'll sort of go back and forth and piece together certain riffs for like, you know, the A, B sort of chorus from a technical standpoint. And I think, you know, influence also uh, comes into play significantly. So while we were writing the record, while we were writing these songs, we thought, man, like, what are what are the bands that we absolutely love? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to kind of think back and go, who do we really, really love? Not in a mimic mimicry sort of no, way, no. Yeah. but what tones do we love? You know, I love the Smashing Pumpkins. I love the drums in the Smashing Pumpkins. You know, I love Billy Corgan. I love Courtney Love and Hole and Godspeed You Black Emperor and Joy Division. So kind of thinking about all the different bands and music that we adore that are kind of in that sort of uh, genre or invoke some sort of fear or invoke mm-hmm. that kind of uh, emotion really helped us play into uh, and carve out the tone and sounds that you hear on on Malocchio. None of the songs are overly fast. They're they're brooding, they're slow moving, but they'll build up and they'll hit you. Yeah. And I'm really 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 proud of this record and and I'm really really happy about it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I appreciate some of the uh, artists you cited there. I had not picked up on a Smashing Pumpkins or Hole thing at all. I did, we mentioned Godspeed. I I pick up on some Joy Division, Bauhaus, Love and Rockets. To me, early 80s Sonic Youth and the guitar tone comes up quite a bit for me personally. So that's just my context here. So that's one thing. The other thing I, I have observed, which I think is an element of horror film soundtracks is the pensiveness in a musical score or dynamic is that it's pretty consistent. Like that build you're talking about, that seems conscious to me. Like the songs stay the same, I found, musically, for quite a long time before there's any dynamic shift. Emma, is that sort of purposeful? Does that Do you think that adds to the tension of what you're conveying? I think so. I never really thought about it that way. I think in my head it was, all right, Time to do some instrumental stuff now that I, mean, I want to do weird thing, fun things with my guitar. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah. I, when I look back on it, and especially now going through this, I'm still grieving. I, I really am, to be frank. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I think about that process of grief, too, there is that brood and there is that you build up to explode. I don't know whether you explode in rage or or you explode in sadness or you start to cry but I, I, perhaps it's subconsciously following that same that same emotional trajectory where there's pensive thought and rumination and then you have to do something to in response to how powerful that feeling is too so may, maybe that is is along the same lines i'm, I'm not too sure though yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to add, Vish, in terms of you bringing up sort of film and, and movies and horror movies, that's another oh, massive yeah. influence for us in terms of our music. We obviously are influenced by music. Absolutely. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, the last few years, what has inspired me in terms of writing music and writing this record 
are scary movies, yes. are yeah. horror movies. Yes. The most amazing thing about horror movies is, of course, you've got the visual elements, but you also have some absolutely fantastic scores and, oh, yeah. and really driving horrific music. So in terms of, you know, influence, musical influence, horror movies are number one. And also Black Sabbath. I forgot, there's I forgot definitely, to mention yeah, Black Sabbath. No, there's definitely some Sabbath, but I will go back again. I will take you both to my childhood and Jaws. John Williams' yeah. sound, the, the score for Jaws, if you think about it, is da 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 Like, it's basically the same with minor variations, and it builds and builds. I don't mean to draw too fine a point between a shark in the ocean and your song, Out at Sea, but there's that similar kind of, like, that similar consistency in rhythm and tone, and you're like, where is this going? What's going to... It builds, to me, suspense. Like, okay, at some point this is going to change, mm-hmm. but I'm hooked. Like, what is good? What is happening right now? This is can't be like this forever. And then when the changes come, sorry, now I'm doing like a rudimentary music 101 horror score class, <laughs> and I don't mean to, but I'm Dude, just, I'm loving it. but I'm just it's saying I, f- yeah. I pick up on that. Like, as I push play on this record, press play on this record, or oh, hopefully I'll get the vinyl. I haven't got it yet. You know what I'm saying? Right now I have it digitally. We'll send you one. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. That You're wasn't welcome. me. Uh, you know, <laughs> angling for free records. I just realized that I press play. <laughs> press play is a digital uh, term, I guess. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that all I'm getting at, and it maybe it sounds like you've both thought about this and not thought about it. I think you came up with something very unique in this regard, or not? Sorry, it's unique for. It is unique, but like you say, it picks up on horror film motifs or horror film music motifs of just like, let's just hook them so they don't, they can't go. There's nowhere else to go. You're you're all along for the ride and then it shifts. You're like, ah, oh my God, what happened there? And then the voice, anyway, all I'm saying is it's very ingenious. So congratulations on this. And uh, that's all I wanted to get at. I don't know if... Yeah, sorry. Was I rambling? I was rambling a little bit, but I feel like we're all on the same page. You were, you were, you're having to, in, in engaging in some sort of horror rock, you've got to uh, come up with the narrative. But there's got to be the appropriate soundtrack, right? Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know Jaws was an excellent example. Yeah, sorry. I'm just replaying the the certain shots in Jaws that were. <laughs> So well done and so simply done. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that they had to have a giant mechanical shark. That didn't work. <laughs> that kept breaking down. Yeah, yeah it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. But but it's the other parts, right? Where, you know, it's the little boy that goes out on the on his flotation device yeah. and there's this giant spot of red and and it's not even that that's scary. What's scary is everybody's running back and the mom yeah. can't find him. Sean. She's, that. Yeah. Or not Sean. Yeah. Uh, what the hell? Sorry, I forgot what the kids. Oh, are. I f- I'm forgetting. I I watch Jaws like once a year, yeah. and I'm losing track of the Kittrick. What's the kid's name? I can't remember. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I, I. You know what? I'm worse. I'm the worst at that too because I just think, yeah, these are great. I want to see the. I want to see what goes on. Right. Yeah. Like, the name's interchangeable. Everything else, no. Yeah. Anyway, all <laughs> yeah. all this to yeah. say. Uh, it's a wonderful record. It's uh, spellbinding in so many ways. So congratulations on it. Um, what is next? I mean, that, sorry, the only other question I meant to ask you, though, uh, and I just realized that I'm sw- yeah. I'm swimming around in a shark-infested waters myself right now. What I neglected to ask yeah. you in terms of the evolution of the band is what you learned f- from the experience of making that EP 
and how you think it informed this record. And I meant to get to it because I feel like there's some distinctions there. Sarah, can you speak to this? Yeah, absolutely. So Ed Cellini's Dead was sort of our first dive into recognizing that we really, really love horror stories. Mm -hmm. We like Italian, Northern Italian folklore and diving into our family's history. So that EP was so important for us as, yeah, as a learning experience, as, as development, as, uh, as an artist. I think getting back to playing heavier stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Playing heavier and darker, uh, music. It's just sort of been in our blood and sort of refrained from it for, for a little while. And it's just been fantastic getting back to it. And yeah, yeah. Love, loved making that EP. And Malocchio is just sort of, I'd say a level, a level up. Yeah. I think we finally figured out what we want to sound like. Do they feel relate, like as a, as a collection or a documentation of your family history, Emma, they're surely connected. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's just a little, it's almost like that's a short film and this is the full length film. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're all we're still in film class, the three of us. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. What is your yeah, I mean. uh what Sarah, <laughs> what does your family make of the fact that you're using your your histories, uh your family history, I should say, as inspiration fodder for your art? They're very supportive and very excited about it and just happy that there's, you know, some sort of documentation of these stories and archiving the the spooky stories that our Nona Maria told us mm. and just being able to share these stories with the world. And we're uh, grateful to have a supportive family who also enjoys a good scary movie. So mm. I think they're uh, they're they're quite supportive of it all for sure. Yeah. Nice. And, That's you great. know, too, it's th- these stories are between us and our Nona. It's it's always going to be a different take or interpretation from somebody else, right? Yeah, so yeah. this is us sharing our time with her. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So in a way, it's probably revelatory for your family. They're not privy to the conversations you had with your Nona. And so yeah. they're hearing her in a way they may not have heard her before, for some of them. Anyway, that's really cool. That's really noble of you. Um to kind of capture and share your family history with others this way. So well done. I'm, I'm happy for both Thanks. of you. Um, so, uh, as I was getting to there, uh, the, the housekeeping at the end of the, an episode, I suppose, by the time people uh, hear this, uh, the record will be out, uh, and you will have played at least one record release show in. Yes. My dearly beloved Guelph. So what else is coming up, Sarah, for Bonnie Trash? Are there more tour dates, uh, those sorts of things? We're going to take a little bit of a, a cat nap uh, in, in December. And hopefully next year, we would absolutely love to go over to either the UK or the EU uh, for a couple dates and uh, start writing the next record. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Emma, have you started the process of conceiving of new songs and a next record already? I know what sound I want to produce. I'm not there yet. I want it to sound like two tectonic plates scraping against each other. So mm-hmm. I've just been working with how to make my guitar do that. Let me know if I. So can that's the con- starting point. Let me let me know if I can connect you with like uh, Keith Levine or Steve Albini for some guitar tone things. Maybe you can. 
<laughs> I'm, yeah. just, I'm kind of joking, but yeah, I think I know what you're going for there. And you're, I will say, I'm very impressed with the sound and the tone. Like what I'm, what I was kind of getting at is, uh, I think Emma, your guitar is haunting. Like it works really Thanks. well with these haunting lyrics and, 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 and Sarah's beautiful vocals. Like it really all works really well together. So, uh, I'm just saying you've done a really great job. It's, uh, it's in just in time for Halloween, if I might say. Uh, again, that's correct. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the best time. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So, Sarah, if people want to learn more about Bonnie Trash and pick up a copy of uh, Malokio, where would you like to send them? Yeah, absolutely. So they can check out Hand Drawn Dracula's Bandcamp. Our album will be available on uh, on the HDD Bandcamp page. Okay, and tour dates and stuff. Tour dates, just find us on Instagram, Bonnie Trash yeah. Band, and uh, we that's that's our, our main social platform, and check us out there. Okay, very good. So I'd like to go out on a song, if it's okay, from Malokio. Um, for those people who've heard the show, when I have two people on, more than one person, I should say, I put it to a, a bit of a vote. I ask one person to pick, but then the other person has veto power. If they don't like the choice, then there's a small debate... <laughs> And then we have to go through like a, a voting process. It's very arduous. It's very annoying if there's a debate. There generally aren't, though. I'm going to ask Emma if mm. Emma can pick the song that we go out on. And then, Sarah, you will have an opportunity to approve or decline Emma's selection. So, Emma. Oh, my God. This is funny. Emma, okay. can you yeah. please pick a song from Malokio that we can go out on right now? Oh, Sarah's totally going to correct me. This is great. Um... I want to say Lashes on Fire. Um, <laughs> I think it's our shortest song. Sorry, Sarah just gave a really enthusiastic thumbs up. So I think we're avoiding the veto. Wow. I don't know what happened there. We this see, is yeah. a first. This is a first. <laughs> so, we're twins. I so agree. I say something. Sarah's like, nah, it's got to be something else. Oh, well, she probably, all right. Because you're twins, she probably knew what you were going to say, if I may uh, employ a, a twin cliche. I don't know. Anyway, there's what? There's no telepathy? <laughs> you must have something. There must have some sort of magical thing going on there. Uh, okay, so you bit. picked the, what'd you say? It was the shortest song on the record? Lashes on Fire. Okay, uh, why did you, yeah. is, did you pick it because it's short? Why did that come to mind? I picked it because it's, well, I'm, I'm, I'm editing a, a music video to it right now, but. I see, it's on your mind. It's on my mind, and I'm listening to it back, and not to gloat, but I'm kind of happy with the way I did the background slide guitar on it and i felt pretty good about it um huh. and i don't know it's it's a nice little mean song it has a metal moment at the end so yeah. it'd be nice to share share the little metal moment yeah okay so we got a little bit of context there about the sound of it um sarah do you want to say anything about sort of the the lyrical content just another little spooky spooky lyric for you vish <laughs> okay we'll leave it at that if, if that's where you want to leave it <laughs> Let people That's make up where their I want to leave it. Let people make up their own mind. Okay, from the excellent new record, Malokio by Bonnie Trash. This is a great song called Lashes on Fire. Emma, Sarah, I don't mean to be untoward or say something inappropriate, but I love you both very much. I thank you for this time. Thank you for being you. I uh, very, for what it's worth, I'm happy and proud of you from afar that you made this great record and then Bonnie Trash is still going on. So uh, for what it's worth, I say all those things and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thanks for this time today. Thank you so much, Vish. Thanks, really Vish. Appreciate it. And we love you too. Yeah. 
I was fishing. I was hoping that would happen. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. I'm just joking. of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Oh, a little taste of home for me. Special thanks to Sarah and Emma from Bonnie Trash for appearing on this, the 734th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, all you got to do is visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. At least one of those two things should still exist by the time you're listening to this outro. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to support this podcast. $6 American or more grants you access to exclusive content, including uh, you get the episodes earlier than everyone else, you get some bonus content, I dig into my audio archives and present things I think you might find interesting that were never featured on this podcast. They come from my writing life and other lives I've had in the uh, music, audio, what? Audio music journalism? You know what I'm saying. That kind of thing. So all of that is available at Patreon. You're also providing me and this show with the primary source of revenue it needs to feel like this is all worth it. All the work, the sweat, the toil. It's all worth it to me in a you know in a deep and soulful spiritual sense but come on be nice to justify it in some ways with the money that's why we work i think you know why we work never mind (laughs) visit patreon.com slash creative control and support this show today and if you want a creative control t-shirt just message me and i'll get you one while supplies last thanks again to pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph ontario respectively and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. As always, thanks to my dear friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode featuring Bonnie Trash. I hope you'll check out their new album, Malocchio, and keep an eye out if they're coming to your town. You can go see them. Also, thanks for subscribing to Creative Control or following the podcast, whatever it is you do. And, uh, you know, telling your friends about the show, and maybe they'll do the same, because they trust you and your word, and that helps spread the word about uh, creative control. All of that is very meaningful to me, so thank you for all of that. Thank you for listening to this. I, I hope you're well, and that I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.